This is Nullius in Verba, a podcast about science. What it is and what it could be. It's co-hosted by me, Smriti Mehta from UC Berkeley. And me, Daniel Lagens from Eindhoven University of Technology. In this episode, we discuss regulatory bodies and the influence they have on the generation and dissemination of knowledge. Should regulatory bodies have the authority to affect the topics and methods of science? Is more highly regulated research actually better? And should we just give up our own lines of research and become potato researchers instead? Enjoy. So, Daniel, today we're going to talk about regulatory bodies, um, but as we're getting started, I was wondering if we could start from the broadest view possible. Um, and so what are what do you think are some of the or all of the ways in which research is externally regulated in all the ways? So not not like self-regulation of like, what do I want to study? How do I want to study it? But any mm-hmm. kind of forces from the outside that could affect what we do and how we do it. Any kind of forces. Any kind of overall. forces, overall, mm. everything. On, okay. Let's put everything on the table. All right, all right. Well, um, well, some things I thought about are funding bodies. Mm-hmm. They determine what we get money for and, and when whatnot. Um, there are, I guess, the department that hires you has certain tools and restrictions. Mm. So they buy machinery and they, they have an amount of money. Hmm. Now that all all my research comes or is funded by a funding body, so right. the department funds things, uh, so they have to say yes to mm-hmm. certain expenses I want to do. Um, the ethics committee oh. influences what I'm allowed to do mm-hmm. and how many electrical shocks I can give people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, feel that's more or less it. Maybe I don't know. Is there more? Did you have have other ideas? Well, um, a few maybe, and I'm, I'd be interested. To, th- mm-hmm. to ask if you think that uh, those apply. Well, well, one that definitely applies, I think, is if you're uh, starting as a researcher, like a graduate student or even a postdoc, the lab that you work with um, mm. or the PI, oh, yeah. the, the work that you're doing. Yeah, you, you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> I forgot but- <laughs> about it. But yeah, you're completely right. Your supervisor. Your supervisor yeah, exactly. is an external regulatory body. It's so nice that, you know, we have this small difference in career where we're at. Yeah, supervisors, good. Well, it's definitely not a small difference, first of all. <laughs> But, there but is I still a, remember. But, I still remember how it was. <laughs> but there is a difference, and it's good that the difference exists. I guess mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. you know diversity is important. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the your PI, your lab. Um, the, the other thing I was thinking about is that some research topics might just be taboo, like mm-hmm. some things that. Mm-hmm. So it's not even that anybody's explicitly stopping you, or that there's no, not true. right. Like that some some research just seems sort of yeah. Yeah, I really feel my passion for uh, investigating racial differences, differences in IQ. In IQ exactly, it's just, not, it's just getting out there, you know. It's just I feel restricted into this passion that I, yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah. never gonna happen, I guess. Damn it, damn it. Okay, no, they're taboo topics. Yeah, um, they're not a regulatory body, I guess. No. right? they're normative issues. I mean, but your supervisor is, I guess, still a regulatory body. But yeah. that's true. That's true. But the question was anything that could externally. Regu- yeah. you know regulate right so that's why i was like let's put everything on the table and then we can focus on organized sort of regulation 
Um, mm-hmm. The other thing that's also not a regulatory body that, but that I th- could affect was just external events that create opportunities that regulate, right? So sometimes you'll see mm-hmm. it in economics and political science. There are policy changes that happen that suddenly create these opportunities for a natural experiment or even COVID, mm-hmm. right? Suddenly you have, and that might affect also funding agencies, right? I mean, a lot of agencies then started putting in funding to mm-hmm. do research that was that sort of affected solutions to the pandemic. Um mm-hmm. The other thing that I think, and this might be a regular, the government, right? Legislation Mm -hmm. can sometimes affect research as well. I'm not sure exactly how or if I have examples to give, but that I think definitely can play Mm -hmm. a role. I think they can directly ask for certain research to be done. Often, of course, they do it through the funding agencies, Mm -hmm. but uh, they can directly ask for certain research questions to be addressed. Sure. Right. Yeah. Um, And... The the last thing I thought was just bioethics. Mm-hmm. Mm. So things, you know, like you might be interested in CRISPR or gene editing, but there are certain mm-hmm. like very serious ethical concerns there, right? Yeah. Um, about what yeah. you can or cannot do. So. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. But okay. Systematized regulation of research. What are your thoughts on that? Should, so we, so the last time we spoke about, yeah, should researchers and scientists be allowed to study whatever they want, or should there be a top-down regulation mm-hmm. of what what researchers can study or should study? Yeah, yeah. So it was interesting to look into this a little bit because um, I found out that many of the funding organizations that are an important driver in you know what you can study and how much money you get, that most of them actually started more or less funding us as researchers after the second world war Mm. so that's not too old right it's Mm -hmm. not too long ago and um they clearly saw that during the war giving scientists certain targets or you know things to address were very important in yeah getting achievements and innovations that were really important so since then apparently they've started to fund researchers more directly So that was kind of interesting. So before, I guess people had more freedom, maybe also less money. Uh, Maybe money Mm. went more directly to the universities and was distributed more freely there. Or, Mm. but now, yeah, it's really directed by funding agencies. So, yeah, the question is, how well are they doing this? How well are they directing us in certain directions, or should they let us completely free? And this is also a discussion that sometimes happens at universities, where the universities say, "Where? Why are these funding bodies there?" Just give us the money directly and we will distribute it. But Mm. we don't want them to determine where it should go to. So that's basically call for more freedom. Give us the money directly and we'll, you know, distribute it in some fair way. Versus um, the funder who says, we have topic X, we have topic Y, we're going to give so much to this field and so much to that field. Hmm. But then the funding agency can ask, but why should we give you? Like, what's what's the incentive for us then, right? Like, why would you give them money? Unless you're doing it for completely pure reasons of, oh, for science, you know? Hmm. Other than that, like, why why give money? And then then the question then really becomes, do you trust or do you, yeah, do you trust the scientists or these universities enough to be able to do, like, then, you, then you're really just investing in the people and the mm-hmm. institutions. So mm-hmm. maybe it is like, oh, we need a lot of trust in certain institutions and certain scientists to, to know that, oh, yeah, if we give them, if you just freely give them the money, they will yeah. use it in the best way possible. Now, that's the real question. Yeah. So who knows how to distribute money yeah. in the best way possible? So the question is, if we trust some organization, 
more, mm-hmm. some regulatory body more, to make these decisions than individual scientists. Mm. So I, I, in this case, I am not sure where I am on the spectrum. And I want to ask you our typical Baconian devil's advocate question, but I'm not sure if I should ask you, why is it bad that funding bodies do this? Why should it go to the uh, uh-huh. people, to the scientist? Or why is it good or why shouldn't it go to the scientist? You know, I'm not sure which side I should be rooting for here, actually. So I don't even know what the Baconian question is. But um, let's just start like, why is the current system not the right way to do it, I guess, then? Um, you mean where the funding agencies are get, yeah. telling you which topics you can study and then... Exactly. So, so more freedom for scientists. I mean, the reason it could not be great is that perhaps it will take away from some of the more fundamental research that isn't as flashy, isn't as sexy, isn't doesn't have like applications directly to anything, mm-hmm. right? I'm assuming funding agencies probably care about some kind of outcome, something that could relate to policy, you know, has some more practical applications, whereas researchers might want to do things that have absolutely no practical application, right? They just want to follow some mm-hmm. line of research that's curious. And even those are really important, right? Because they could have practical applications later on. So I think it will, it sort of de, yeah, sort of de- de-emphasizes that kind of those lines of research, which could be really important down the line. So that is definitely one reason. Mm-hmm. And I think if if the funding agencies are made by, uh, yeah, is are composed of people who aren't scientists, I can see how they might not even know which mm-hmm. lines of research are important to follow. Um, even if you're trying to answer some kind of practical question, I think you de- do need probably some kind of scientific expertise about how to go about it, perhaps. Yeah. Um, I think they will often listen to scientists, but even then mm. you could say, you know, then it becomes a political game and people try yeah. to make as much money available for the themes mm-hmm. that they care most about. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and and I do think that sometimes you see a lot of funding being, well, I guess here we're talking about topics, so I guess that really doesn't apply, because I was trying to say sometimes you will see funding go to a lot of the superstars, even though they might not, their re- their work might not be great, but that's, I think, a different different question. But But here's a question, here's sort of a meta question to the question you asked, if you're if we're saying that oh you could either have a funding agency that's deciding who to give the money to and maybe that's not the best so we have the give it directly to the universities to give to the researchers how are Mm -hmm. those two different because even the university is a regulatory body right and and how do they Mm -hmm. decide which researchers to give the money to or which departments to invest the money in yeah well, there are some extreme examples where the money is distributed over every scientist. So there's a budget, a science budget, mm-hmm. and you distribute it over every scientist. Mm. And then you would let those scientists democratically come together. They might even be able to give away their money. There are all sorts of oh. proposals oh, in the literature. So it might even be that, you know, we all get our own small amount of money. And I say, you know, honestly, I don't really have a good idea, but Smriti, I think you, you, you're doing great work. You can get my money and other people give you, you know, their oh, that's, money. That's very neat. I wonder how, so is this just a proposal or some universities actually do that? No, it's a proposal. I've never yeah, seen it. Yeah, I was like, wow, that sounds amazing. Tested. I want to go there, wherever this. And, and, <laughs> and well, it'd be, I'd be curious to see how many scienti- scientists actually would do that, where they would just give, oh, yeah, yeah, somebody else, you know. It reminds me of um, 
I used to work at University of um, Davis when I was a student there and you there was some because mm. I was an administrator like in a, an admin assistant and they would have mm. you could give your sick leave to some other oh, a wow. colleague okay. if they mm-hmm. needed it that you only had a limited mm-hmm. amount and you could give it to other people which I thought was kind of nice yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah so so the question is if people make the right decision and it's interesting because it would also mean to a certain extent that if we're going to collectively figure out what the topics are mm-hmm. that we're going to work on, mm-hmm. that I probably don't only end up giving you money, but I would also give you the time, right? Because um, now there are groups of people and often somebody decides what gets done. Mm-hmm. So even if we completely democratically decide what the topics are going to be, mm-hmm. it would mean that I say... Either I work individually on something, that's of course possible, Mm -hmm. but probably some people would have to say, yeah, uh, let's team up and I'm going to do whatever you want me to do. Mm -hmm. I'm going to work on your ID. And I wonder if that would ever happen. Do you think that is something that would, because I, you know, a lot of times people will say, oh, but that's just not incentivized in science, that Mm -hmm. kind of an approach where everybody's supposed to come up with their own Mm -hmm. research, your own theories, own ideas. And if you're just saying, oh, yeah, we just yours is a great idea, I will just help on. Is it something that within the current system seems like it would work for those researchers? I think there's some space for it. Mm -hmm. Um, Countries differ a little bit in how they uh, hire people and what they do. But um, for example, there's the Psychological Science Accelerator, oh, right. which is mm-hmm. this large collaboration. And a lot of people do invest some of their time in this instead mm-hmm. of working on their own thing. Mm-hmm. So that's a signal, I guess, that they think that this idea is better, or at least a little bit of their time spent on this idea is better mm-hmm. than anything they could do with this small amount of time on their own. Mm-hmm. And I know some people, such as um, a former PhD student of mine, Peter Isager, mm-hmm. who works in Oslo now, and he there in Oslo, people just get tenure very quickly. So he works really? there. He oh. very quickly gets tenure. Nice. Uh, which is great. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Netherlands is also moving to a system where tenure gets given much sooner than, uh, you know, the five years or something it is now. That is so interesting to hear because I think in the US, things are going in the other direction. Mm. Like they're, mm. you know, not giving out tenure too much. And I mean, there's not enough tenure tire positions. And then some places mm. they're trying to get rid of tenure altogether. So we'll see mm. how mm. things proceed. Yeah. But which direction wins out? Maybe that. <laughs> but anyway, that's the direction here. And you could sort of see like, okay, so so and he works a lot with the psychological science accelerator. Mm-hmm. And I think he thinks, yeah, that's just what I'm going to do. I'm going to collaborate on these large collaborative projects do less of my own individual thing and it's fine that's just what i want to do and i have the freedom to make that choice so i think it would happen i think there are people who would want to do this mm-hmm. and then i guess you can have a democratic discussion which the psychological science accelerator does as well like it is basically a solution to this problem of how can we self-organize as scientists right. and there is no regulatory body involved they make up their own decisions right and if we would have a Uh, money system where we distribute money over all these scientists they would be teamed up and they could be pooling their resources Mm -hmm. yeah and do their own research like that so that's i think a nice example for what it could be yes it is and i don't want to be a debbie downer (laughs) but i don't know there was a paper that came out recently from the psych science accelerator i forget what the topic was but i remember reading it Mm -hmm. and it was just not a good paper are you um, criticizing hundreds of people who worked on this? But no, and and it's precisely because it was hundreds of them that I mm-hmm. I'm I wonder like was it because there were too many chefs in the kitchen, or because mm-hmm. there there was just so much um, 
Yeah, I can't remember, but it was it was even at the level of the materials that they had used for their study that I thought were mm. so not fully baked that it just seemed like such a waste of you're running this massive study with mm. so many people, so many resources, and I and I can't tell if it was because yeah, too many people or they just couldn't reach consensus or it was like mm. like right like when you have that many people, does it just become hard to right? So I do mm. wonder if there is some benefit to. God, I hate to use the term hierarchy, but you you might you probably need <laughs> some people who are able to, you know, be in charge. Be in charge, exactly. Mm. Was this a study related to COVID or not? I will look it up. I'm so sorry. I'm gonna that... guess. I'm gonna guess that that's the case. Mm-hmm. And I know that those were actually kind of time pressured, quite time. Yeah, pressured. it might. So I think I you're think... right. It might have been one mm-hmm. about COVID. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know that even some people within the Psychological Science Accelerator were not too happy with how it ended up. Um, but I think that's also a lesson learned. It's a very young organization, so right. that's going to happen. You know, mm-hmm. So we don't really know how this system works. Right. They're trying to invent it. And um, I mean, they definitely have published some very good studies mm-hmm. and uh, that, that sometimes it doesn't work out. I think it's part of the development of figuring out how to um, make decisions collectively. But yeah. No, it's a good point. I mean, and then, of course, the risk is also bigger because now this big group has done something. And then if you think this wasn't really worth it, a lot of people have worked on something that's they could have better worked on something else. Yeah, but yeah. Right. You end up with all this yeah, money and intellectual and practical resources being almost it feels like wasted, um, mm-hmm. which is not great. And then the opposite direction is just spread the risk. Everybody does a little <laughs> bit of something, you know, and, and, and a lot right. of it goes to waste, but some things are great, right? Yeah. So I think that's the main argument for this alternative approach of not regulating, and that is the idea, letting many flowers bloom. Yeah. So, you know, and many will, what do flowers do? Wilt. Wilt. Yeah. Wilt, okay. yeah. Wilt, wilt away. Wilt yeah. away, okay. Wilt away, yeah. But they die, they don't mm-hmm. lead to anything. But some, some, uh, you know, become beautiful, and, and those are the ones you want. So it's yeah. a sort of more high-risk, right. uh, high-gain kind of system. Yeah. Um. Mm. So the next question I want to ask you is like, how important do you think is the distinction between, well, maybe how is not the correct question here, but this distinction between regulation um, of research topics and regulation Mm -hmm. of research methods? Mm -hmm. And because IRB, Mm -hmm. we discuss IRB as one of the, I think, one of the big sort of, you know, the most and probably the most proximal regulatory Mm -hmm. body, except for Mm -hmm. maybe your PI, I guess, Um, Mm -hmm. if you're if you're somebody that's not an independent researcher. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the distinction between them and is one of them sort of more palatable than the other. Yeah. No, it's an interesting question, like how far should these things be regulated Mm -hmm. and what it does. I feel now what an IRB does, it does limit you, um, but not Mm -hmm. so much, actually. Like, you know, um, hopefully most of the things that the IRB tells you not to do, you don't want to do anyway. (sighs) <sighs> and uh, you know and they they check a little bit of okay is this too risky or is is privacy of participants at risk or any other kind of dangers i mean yeah but i guess it depends on the research topic wouldn't you say like if you're mm-hmm. you know doing research with you know prisoners or doing it with you know some kind mm-hmm. of medical if you're a medical researcher you're actually interviewing you know then i think they probably i don't know actually That'd be an interesting thing to find out, like how. But but I do suspect that they're a bit more involved. Mm. The process, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know a lot of stories where. I mean, probably people have stories where the IRB Mm -hmm. told them they were not allowed to do certain studies. I mean, I'm actually chair of the IRB in my university, and Ah. I don't think we've ever prevented anybody from doing a study that they wanted to do. Um, Well, 
maybe not completely maybe maybe once where somebody asked if they if it was okay to buy stolen private information on the dark web uh, because they wanted to study this process basically how it goes and they asked can we buy this uh, stolen information and then the irb had to say well no you're sorry you're not allowed to do this because it's illegal it's illegal yeah 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 it's illegal so if you want to do it that we we offered ways that they could do it in collaboration with the police and that's possible actually wow Uh, you can go to the yeah, national police, and they can give you permission to break the law for oh. research, but it's a very uh, difficult process, obviously, to get right. approval, but it's possible. And and that didn't work out because, yeah, apparently information that you want to buy on the black market is there only for a short amount of time, and then somebody mm. has bought it. So if you want to go to the police and it's a long process, then you can't buy it. It's too mm. late. So so in that, that case, that's the only case I know, which is quite extreme. But what a but, fascinating example. Yeah, and you could say let let people do it, you know, let them mm-hmm. uh, let them do it because it's interesting enough. And what's the risk? But yeah, then I guess we feel sometimes the risk is a bit too high. Yeah, um, and and even other cases where, like, we have, for example, a shock machine, and people are always as, sort of surprised that we actually have a machine <laughs> that gives electrical shocks to participants. But yeah, that's even possible, you know. I mean, yeah. you can just do it. You shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't set it too high. Right. <laughs> but you're, so I feel that we don't really restrict a lot of stuff, but I'm sure that there are people who want to study something like, I don't know, you know, sex or porn or some kind mm-hmm. of drug-related use questions, and, and they're not allowed to do it. Uh, yeah, sure. Right. So then you have recently proposed also sort of this methods review, which is that, am I, do I understand it correctly, that it would be sort of something that's part mm-hmm. of the IRB process or the part of, yeah, approving research from the university process, right? Yeah. Where you would actually yeah. look at, oh, yeah, it's a question that you're asking even, can you even study it appropriately? Do you have that? And is, are you using the right methods? And that would yeah. get incorporated into... Um, True. Yeah. So I guess I guess I'm giving myself away as somebody who doesn't <laughs> mind a little bit more regulatory influence on the right. research we do. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's true. Mm-hmm. It's true. So the proposal is just that there's a methodological review board mm-hmm. could be separate from the from the IRB some uh, people with expertise that um, sort of like you would have in a registered report format, but maybe a little bit less extreme. Mm, um, mm-hmm. Before you collect the data, say, hey, is everything in order in mm-hmm. terms of the methods? Are you going to be able to answer the question you're asking based mm-hmm. on the data that you collect? Which I feel is a relatively low bar, but we do see proposals where this is just not the case. Um and for example, I remember we had an IRB case mm-hmm. where somebody was going to do research in a gym and the goal was directly basically to give a recommendation to the Dutch government about whether gyms could open during COVID times. Oh, okay. And ethically speaking, everything was really well dealt with in this mm-hmm. research. There was, of course, a risk of infection and everything, but there was very good care for the mm-hmm. participants. Methodologically, the study was relatively weak, or I would say mm. quite weak. And I really thought, look, you're going to do this study. It's, first of all, hugely expensive. Mm-hmm. But I see some flaws here that you could prevent. And uh, But we were not supposed to talk about this, right? So that's the, one of the first times where I thought as chair of the IRB, like, why don't we yeah. have some ability to say something like, okay, but this is actually not most going likely going to gonna turn out a waste. Yeah, right. yeah. Huh. So So that's sort of the idea. And you could do this you know, methodological review for very expensive studies, or you can do it for studies on special populations, yeah. or you can do it for everything. But it's basically, yeah, an extra 
uh, limitation. Yeah, you are restricting what researchers can do. Yeah. And then the, the hope is that you're doing this, of course, for better research. Right. So you do this and the research improves. And I did propose like, you know, to empirically test whether mm -hmm. it does. And if it doesn't, then you should abandon it. But right. if it works out, then yeah, I think it has a good shot of uh, improving things. And then right. I would be in favor of it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a very interesting idea. And it kind of makes sense, right? We want to not waste resources, be able to answer the questions that we want to answer. Why not do it at that step where we're deciding, or oh, should this be? Yeah. yeah. I think especially moving certain decisions before data collection makes mm -hmm. a lot of sense mm -hmm. because that's mm -hmm. such an effortful process and you can't yeah. fix it afterwards, right? Right, yeah. So I like that about it. And yeah, if somebody then tells you, look, you're not allowed to do this. I mean, wait, we actually missed sort of a regulatory body. Well, not about the research you are allowed to do, mm -hmm. but um, the peer review system also has something to say about the research that mm. will be published in some way. So we give our peers the ability to reject our papers or recommend rejection of our papers. Oh, I guess that's a yeah, good point. That That is sort of a regulatory process, even though it's not a body. Well, no, and it's and it's at the end. Mm -hmm, it's at the yeah. end. Yeah. 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 So that's the main difference. Like the funding bodies don't give you the money, so you can't even do it. But I guess the peer review system is at the end. It's Maybe in that respect, not really a regulatory body, yeah. but yeah, close enough. No, but and it, it is, and it is sort of tied, I guess, in that sense to topics that might be taboo, you know, mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. then then that will probably influence which topics you pick because you, oh, you know, I know I will not be able to get it published down the line if I mm -hmm. try to get this paper done, right? So maybe in, in it influences what you choose to do um, yeah. based on your just prediction about whether or not you can get it past your peers. Or whether they will accept it or not, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's especially important, actually, for um, non-empirical papers. So maybe theoretical overviews or opinion pieces mm. or uh, commentaries, you know. Mm -hmm. There's often not published when you have them, maybe, you know. So there's also, yeah, we give some of those decisions out of hand. And there again, you could have a different system where everything is published and we just select afterwards what we like and what yeah. gets uh, upvote or something. Yeah. I just wanted to add, like, I do, I do, like, I feel like a lot of people, I've heard so many people complain about the IRB, like, oh, it's just bureaucracy and it's just, you know, like, they're just making mm -hmm. life harder for us. And I'm assuming people might have the same kind of issue with the methods review, like, oh, it's just one extra mm -hmm. step, like one extra thing that I have to do. And the IRB, I always give the example of, like, you know, like, yes, we all, we have to take our shoes off at the airport, but there's a reason for that, right? Like, I know it's not fun. It's kind of tedious, but there are, there are historical reasons for why. We do need to be careful. Um, and the, the, I mean, the one thing that I've thought about that could make this process easier, but also like add like, because I sometimes think that the what we have to a lot of things that we have to write in um, an RB protocol are kind of similar mm -hmm. to what we have to write in a pre registration. And I was like, why not combine those two? Right? Mm -hmm. Like, why not create a system where the, the document that you submit to the RB, and if it's included with a method review, you could just streamline the whole system, right? Because then you're just sure. writing everything out. It includes mm -hmm. not just sort of the, those ethical concerns, you're, you're being clear about sort of the ethics and how you're treating your subjects, but also like what, how you're going to like look at the data, analyze the data, all the methods part. And then all of that can turn into a pre-registration, which I know some, some people who are really pre-registration also don't like reading really big pre-registrations. They're like, just mm -hmm. give me, you know, two pages and that's all I need to know. Um, but mm. I do think it would just make if you streamline the whole system and then it turned into your pre-registration, then wouldn't it, wouldn't it make like you know kill three birds with one stone mm -hmm. and and mm -hmm. just make everybody's life a little bit easier? Yeah, I mean, 
it makes it a little bit easier. It will also make life for some people who don't want to do this a little bit harder. Right. But for what we think. For science. Leads to better science. <laughs> yeah, it leads to better knowledge generation. I mean, right. whether that's the case or not, of course, should be evaluated. But right. we have some expectations about this. Yeah. But, you know, we don't know if they work out. And actually, it's interesting you mentioned the case of taking your shoes off. Because, like, at Schiphol <laughs> Airport, like in yeah. the Netherlands, you don't have to take your shoes off anymore. They've stopped yeah. doing it, you know. So... Yeah, but but you see that even these regulatory bodies think, okay, how can we improve things, right? So if yeah. they do their job well, they, you know, sometimes ask for something, they evaluate it, and they update their procedures. They're like, mm -hmm. oh, no, you don't have to do this anymore. This didn't really work. We update. Right. So if right. you have a good regulatory body, it will mm. go along with its time, I guess. Right, and it will get updated. Yeah, I think you're, you're right, that if they're mm. paying attention to what's going on, then they will, you know, chop off all the sort of, you know, stipulations that aren't needed anymore. Yeah. And just keep what's working and take out what's not. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I have another question that I wanted to ask, which is about a concept that um, Philip Kitchener mm -hmm. um, talks about in a book that's called Science, Truth, and Democracy. Um, and in this book, he talks about this idea of well-ordered science. Hmm. Um, so he clearly uh, thinks that science can be disorganized if everybody does their little thing without coordination. And it's an argument for coming together in a sort of democratic fashion, deciding what's important to do, and then think, okay, how much money do we have? Which things are we going to do now? So it's a very related to what we talked about last week, where we talked about consensus, so a very consensus-driven way mm. of how to proceed, basically, mm -hmm. um, about the process of doing science, not the result, but okay, we agree, these are the steps we're going to take. And, and there's this question that I sometimes ask people, and I'm going to ask you <laughs> to think about this. <laughs> so let's say I make you the boss mm -hmm. of a hundred researchers in your field mm -hmm. for the next decade. Okay. Sounds great. You, you just wanted a bit more hierarchy a little bit earlier. Yeah. No, we have good hierarchy. <laughs> great, so you're the great. boss. Yeah. And this is the right kind of hierarchy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So for the next decade, you can basically shape, decide what these hundred people are going to do. Take a moment to think about what the output will be that these 100 people are going to do for the next decade. What the output will be. For, and, yeah. and, and we're would you, sorry, this is sort of a medical, but like psychology or social psychology? In your field. In really, my field. Literally okay. in your field. Yeah, yeah, really in your field. Because you know many people that work in this field, right? Mm -hmm. They're all working independently most of the time. But now for the next decade, you can think, okay, what's going to happen in the next decade if I can steer, uh, manage 100 people? Well, the, could the end, but here's a, another meta question is like, could the output be less research, like less research papers? You are in charge. Okay, I'm in charge. So, okay. It happens. Hmm. If, if you say so, it happens. I think that there are certain topics um, that are quite... I think what would happen, like what what I would like the output be uh, to be in the in the next decade, would be trying to answer some of the very fundamental, like revisiting most of the sort of fundamental questions about the discipline. You know, things like the fundamental attribution error. You know, like we all sort of take a lot of these things for granted. It's not even that I think everybody believes they're true, but they're just thrown around as concepts, and we kind of right, like they have just made their mm -hmm. way. Especially in social yeah. psychology, because they've just kind of made their way into common parlance. Like everybody says these things, but it's not like we mm -hmm. think of them as scientific topics. And that 
that worries mm. me a little bit, right? Because I think we, yeah. so I think we should, and now I see things like in textbooks where they're saying, oh, th- th- one of the causes for our fundamental attribution error is the just world hypothesis. And I'm like, where mm. did that come from? Like, I've, <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that before. Like, is there research that shows this? And it's, so it, I'm like, but it's, if, if we think it's that fundamental, let's revisit some of these things okay. that we kind of just, well, you that's know. That's fine. So as as one part one part of the things that are going to happen is we will revisit some of the classics yes. for a while and you yeah. can just say look these 20 people for the next 2 years are going to revisit some of the classics boom it it happens you're the boss so it happens okay okay some other stuff anything else you um like? Like I said, less like just fewer publishing, fewer papers is what mm. I would like. Less output okay. is the should the, what the output should okay. be. Um, is there some work maybe on on measurement where you're like, let's get some stuff uh, in order? Oh, definitely. Uh, yeah, everybody will take. I mean, the first five years we will just train people on measurement <laughs> because. <laughs> okay, half the time is up. <laughs> but now you have perfect measures, right? So you spend the first five years, and now you have great measurements. Well, the, the measurement part is, is solved, sort of after five years with a hundred people. People. I mean, well, yeah, I well, so. well, what can you do? If it but, can be yeah. done, then that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, there's some other stuff you can think about it. You know, okay, what else would happen? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But now, the second question mm-hmm. you're not the boss. You're going to work mm-hmm. by yourself. Yeah. So, what will the field of these 100 people do mm-hmm. over the next decade? Mm-hmm. What's going to get done in practice over the next decade? What do you think? And the most important question is, what is the difference between these two? So which of these two possible worlds do you think will lead to more knowledge generation? Wait, so let me make sure I understand the question. The question is now, I'm not the boss, but we still have 100 people. Yeah, of course, because science is going to be there, <laughs> well, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. No, science is going to be there. You're just not the boss. There's nobody guiding everybody in the same direction. Nobody's telling other people what to do. Everybody's coming up with their own questions in this alternative version, which is more or less what happens, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now you're asking me to actually predict like what's going to happen in the next 10 years. More or less. You don't have to specify for 100 people, but... Do you have a feeling of, yeah, I mean, we're not going to do this, this measurement thing, right? And are we going to massively revisit the classics? Probably also not. Right? Probably Everybody's not. going to do their own research. So don't you feel that there's a difference between these two worlds where in the one, because there's some organization, whether you're the boss or someone else, mm-hmm. but, but, but I feel, you know, we're going to get some shit done. In the first version. <laughs> right. Because because somebody's saying, okay, yeah, I mean, you know, we have had this long standing issue with measurement. We're gonna take this seriously. I'm mm-hmm. gonna make this a priority. And yeah. you know, fifty of you are you're gonna work on this. Get it done. Well the but the second one can be close to the first one. If I can influence the, those hundred people through this podcast, you know, you never know. Things might go in that direction. And I I, I mean I say it facetiously, but you can't, right? Like if we if we do try to make this point about how measurement is important, um, mm-hmm. and oh, you, of course we can do it the democratic way. Hope people right. will listen. Yeah, but I mean, I hear we're also assuming that those are the right direction. I mean, I, mean, I could be wrong, right? I c- I could be completely wrong. Maybe we shouldn't be revisiting the first, you know, the the what, the fundamental true. questions, and then it would be it will be a waste of hundred researchers and ten years, right? True. And of course, we never know. But to be honest, I'm going to guess that if you if you ask this question to many people, mm-hmm. many people are going to say, well, how about we revisit some of the classics mm-hmm. for a bit, do some replications yeah. or whatever, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. um, make the basis in order mm-hmm. and 
I think many fields would say, yeah, we also need to tackle the measurement issues in our field and standardize some of our measures. I think those are very logical things to say. And nobody is sort of taking them up because it's because it's not fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's what I mean. Measurement really when you when I try to talk to people like with why aren't we focusing more on measurement? It just seems like the mm. most fundamental thing to do before you can look at the sky, you have to make a telescope. If you don't mm. have a proper telescope, you can't trust, you know, the things that you're observing. Mm-hmm. It just seems like the logical first step. And then it's like what you're saying exactly. It's not fun. It's not public, you know, it doesn't get published in fancy journals, right? There's just, yeah. and, and a lot of the time it will be in the background. You cannot, may not even be able to publish the first iterations that you're doing mm-hmm. of things, right? Like it's not, exactly. it's it, like, like I think it's people, it's not incentivized. I'm like, yeah, maybe we shouldn't have people in science that are just going after incentives. That's my, that's the exactly. problem. <laughs> that's that's the thing. So if you have yeah. good good people managing this process, they're going to say, look, there's a couple of not so fun things that we right. need to do for a bit. And, and that doesn't happen in this other system. So that's the benefit of coordination and management, mm. right? Certain mm-hmm. things that need to be done and nobody does it mm-hmm. get done. Mm-hmm. And I mean... In in my household, it works exactly the same same way. <laughs> yeah. You know, somebody manages, or well, we try to maybe manage each other a little yeah. bit. But uh-huh. it, otherwise, I'm not going to do the vacuum cleaning unless <laughs> my wife says, "Hey, it's time to do the vacuum cleaning. That's your chore. Right. Uh, get it done." And yeah. then you're like, "Okay, you know." Uh, and maybe I would say, like, "Hey, uh, you know, I'm running out of clothes. Uh, maybe it's time to do the laundry." You know. And uh, anyway, we have our own things. Right. But but you manage it a little bit, and otherwise, it wouldn't get done. So I think, okay. Um, and, and I'm not completely sure maybe in this other world, yeah, mm-hmm. some things don't get done. And it was interesting today. I was talking to a student, mm-hmm. um, and, um, and she said, yeah, because how does it actually work, uh, in, in terms of science funding and how do scientists decide what to do? Mm. Because we were talking about the research projects he wanted to work mm-hmm. on. Um, that is touching on coordination in science. Mm-hmm. And she's like, yeah, what do scientists do now? I mean, it's probably not the case that people can just do whatever they want right if the government tells people like we have these problems you you have to solve these problems i'm like no no that's not how it works <laughs> i mean i'm gonna hang up after this call that we have and uh-huh. then i'm gonna decide whatever i want to do as a sign whatever i want to do that, that's what i'm gonna do that's how it works and she's like oh really oh that that's that's kind of weird <laughs> So I think maybe the general public thinks like, no, these scientists, somebody tells them what to do. No, no, we can do whatever we want. Yeah. Unless, you know, you're a graduate student or post, well, then you, but okay. So now I will give you maybe like a Baconian question, like a devil's Hmm. advocate thing. Academic freedom is certainly very, very important, right? In academia. Like we definitely want scientists to be able to pursue questions and lines of research. Um, that maybe even the gut, you know, like if you're working in China, right, maybe there are like right in Russia, like there might be some things that the of government course. doesn't want you to do or right. Um, or even things that like, oh, you know, gen- you know, group True. differences in IQ. I mean, m- maybe not everybody wants to hear what people have to say, but in so yeah. far, you know, like there are things that topics that maybe nobody wants you to study, but that sh- you should be allowed to do that. Right. And that's yeah. one of the main reasons why we have tenure is to is to give people that freedom. Yeah. So I, I am sort of. Not maybe on board with trying to regulate the topics of what people study. But as we were just talking about, yeah, if you're in charge of 100 people and you get to sort of, yeah, oversee some of the things that you think are important, mm-hmm. couldn't people say, well, isn't that the, how the system already works? Like you work your way off the system and then you're, you know, you're the PI of this giant lab and then you do get to regulate how things get done and what topics get decided. So, and those are mm. the those are the big labs that are getting all the funding and mil- million dollar grants. 
and they get mm. to it might it might so happen. wouldn't people say yeah wouldn't people say that, that that is how the system is working and everything is fine and dandy Daniel. Mm, yeah. mm, 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 mm. I mean, so <laughs> these labs are not that big. Um, well, some so, of them are. <laughs> and some of them are decent, yeah. I guess. Um, no, but uh, yeah, the, the long-term coordination, I think these people would even say, look, I'm trying, but I don't have a long-term, I don't have 10-year funding even, you know? So mm -hmm. I always mm -hmm. have to think, how can I get more funding? And mm -hmm. How can I continue this research line? Right. And mm -hmm. I think there are many PhD students who say, yeah, you know, I'm working on this thing, but nobody will take this over when I'm done. So mm -hmm. this is just my project. It's yeah. not like there are 10 year research projects, which mm -hmm. would be good. You know, sometimes it's necessary. Um, no, so I think in many cases, there's yeah some coordination, of course, but not up to the level of a well-ordered science, like somebody like Kitscher would say, mm -hmm. you know, we need like really collective thinking, like this is what we're going to do for the next five years. We're going to solve these issues. We need mm -hmm. to have measurement in place. That, that also doesn't seem to work. And I think these small labs, I mean, or bigger labs, don't have enough power to do it. It really requires more coordination. And mm. in some way, even the funders don't really say, look, clearly you need this, right? I mean, um, well, well, it's interesting. Actually, um, one of the things I managed to do when I was a postdoc is go to the Dutch science funder and say, I think you should fund replication research. Hmm. This is mm -hmm. a thing nobody wants mm -hmm. to do. Mm -hmm. This is exactly your responsibility mm. as somebody coordinating what scientists do. So if you make some money available only for this, then we'll have more of this replication research. And I think, and, and they did it. And I think nice. um, that is exactly the role of coordination. There's this task. Nobody wants to do it. Well, then the coordinator... Right. Yeah. The science funders as well. <laughs> yeah. Now we have some money earmarked for this specific goal. And, you know, whether that was worthwhile or not, I don't know how to evaluate it. I think mm. probably we learned some stuff from it. Maybe somebody else would say, uh, Daniel, that money should have been spent on novel research. We would have gotten further. So that's the whole tricky thing. Right. Um, but if a field says, look, we should really go and revisit some of these basics and everybody mm -hmm. agrees, then you have this democratic process that right. teacher would talk about. And I think then we should do it. But we don't have that system. We don't vote. You know, what? we don't go to our meetings of our professional organizations and we say, okay, yeah, what we need to do in the next couple of years. That would be a great thing to recommend to professional societies, don't you think? It would be a good role for them, I think so. Yeah. yeah. And actually, some, some fields seem to do this a bit more, like chemistry or something. I think mm. they have much more communication among their members and say, look, mm -hmm. we're going to go and ask for money for these things. We're not going to ask for money for everything from the government, but we'll ask for more money from the government to do this mm -hmm. thing. I think it happens a little bit. Yeah. But broadly, would you say that, because one of the arguments sort of against more regulation from like bodies and from even things like RB is that, well, more research um, regulation might be benefit, like, you know, you might, if you're trying to be too safe or too cautious about, oh, you can't study this, can't study that, can't study this way or that way, right? Mm -hmm. That it might hinder knowledge generation, right? That it yeah. might actually make research worse. Um, Definitely. So, yeah. yeah, would you, yeah, so would you agree with that? Like, does it, or would you think that more regulation in this kind of like, oh, we get to coordinate it a little bit better, would that offset the, the cost of like, yeah, I don't know. Like, is it, does it, would you think overall it makes it better or worse or we don't know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think we just don't know. So I think we have not really experimented with this. And I think we even we don't even know. And there's discussion about what science funders are doing is good mm -hmm. so that they are picking out certain targets, you know. Mm -hmm. And and I think we don't really study this. Like, how do we even know? Like, how do these organizations decide how much money goes to psychology and mm -hmm. how much money goes to chemistry? Have you ever thought about this? Like national funding, how they decide how much goes where? Um. 
Great question. I mean, I mean, I think I think part of it might be they think about what which areas are going to lead to knowledge that is more useful at the given time. Like I know there's certain projects like the Darbar project and stuff where they I think said, yeah, we need better social science research because we need it for making policy decisions about, you know, mm-hmm. certain topics. And so that they invest in that versus, I mean, recently some of the NSF, um, you know, graduate like proposals, uh, research proposals, or even general have said, we want things that have to do with big data, um, mm-hmm. you know, NAI mm-hmm. and these kind of machine learning systems, because that seems to be sort of on the upswing and you might want to, to sort of invest more in those research yeah. topics. So, um, but they're, there are also cases where people, you know, worked on the mRNA mm-hmm, vaccine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the, yeah, the underlying technique, I guess, and nobody wanted to fund them, right? So that also happens. So yeah, they have some successes, yeah. they have some failures. Mm-hmm. I mean, so I mean, that is definitely an argument against, you know, too much steering because mm-hmm. we miss certain innovations. Right. But I think the main thing is just like I think they do something. They divide the funds in some way. I sometimes asked science funders, like, how do you determine how much money goes to social <laughs> yeah. science and how uh-huh. much to others? And yeah. and I think they have some. I don't know. I don't know. They don't really have any foundation <laughs> to make a really good decision. No, how would you? You know. Yeah. So it's a bit of politics mixed in with yeah. uh, a little bit of how much people complain. Like if we would all complain, like, hey, we really need more money. This is horrible. Maybe they're like, okay, we'll try. We'll shift some yeah. things around. Uh-huh. But there's no real uh, way to decide this, even right? Right. So. So yeah. yeah, I think they try, but we don't really know how to evaluate how well they're doing now, let alone can we evaluate how much coordination we need, how much independent research, how much let many flowers bloom. I think we have yeah, no clue. No, yeah. You know, and this is I mean it 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 makes it gives me a lot of hope because I'm always like, oh, well, I have no idea what I'm doing, but then you look around mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, nobody has any idea what they're doing. <laughs> so, you know, I am no worse than everybody else. Like <laughs> nobody. Yeah. No, no, nobody, nobody knows what's going on. It's totally fine. We're all in it together. <laughs> yeah. No, I think in this case it's really true. Like I really think nobody really knows what is the best thing to do. And uh, right. that's why we have so many so many suggestions for um, to do lots instead of yeah. selecting because you don't know what's going to be the outcome of research. But I don't think there have been long trials. And also imagine the time scale of a trial to study which mm. funding mechanism leads to the best science. These things have been around after the Second World War somewhere, you know, many of these funding agencies. So we have, how much do we have? Like 60, 70 years now? Mm-hmm. I mean, how, what time scale do you need to figure out whether we've produced good science? Maybe 50 years or something, you know? So you need to start to do experiments and then wait 50 years. You're like, okay, did we figure a lot of stuff out in the first part of this century? Yeah. I mean, it's almost impossible to evaluate right. and study, right? Yeah, no, these are difficult questions. Um, but the sort of last-ish question I want to ask mm-hmm. you, so one like, question I want to ask you is, when we're talking about regulation, and I could be wrong, but do you think that there are any there's any other kind uh there's any kind of research that doesn't directly or indirectly affect humans that would need regulation because to me it seems like where it would really come into play is where where mm-hmm. it does affect people i agree that's important on the other hand isn't most research in some way yeah possibly related to this i mean you can think of uh, nuclear energy you mm-hmm. know uh, or or let's say nuclear uh, uh, research on, on nuclear mm-hmm. powers and um yeah i mean the people who made it they didn't know it would turn into the atom bomb i guess but it did you know so you don't know when some research will affect people i guess right yeah 
So we will let people play around with whatever, some sort of chemical substance, some polymers that they're making, mm-hmm. and they're just a new substance. But then it turns out that it's great it to replace. Impact. Yeah, it's great to replace uh, heart tissue. I don't know. All of a sudden, it has a use for people. You know, you don't know. It could happen. Right. And I was, you know, I always think about like, oh, math, but math is not a science. So um, <laughs> that is out of I don't know. Then, then it turns into an algorithm that's more efficient. And there you go. I, I, there's well, always but, something. But what if you're, but what if it's, yeah, something like astronomy, you're studying, you know, quasars or like something, they, like, do you think there's rest, less regulation in those disciplines? Like nobody really is regulating, like you get to, you know, like you want time at the telescope. Sure. You just tell us like why you want to study what you want to study, but it's not regulation in the same sense. I think it's super regulated, like it's super yeah. limited resource. So I think well, uh, you really have to come up with a research question and somebody's going to tell you, um, like if you say, look, I just mm. want to look back in time and I want to study my parapsychology research and I want to <laughs> see if I can see if people can look back in time and see decisions right. after whatever, you know, it comes from it comes from outer space. <laughs> right. No, they're like, no, no, you, you don't get to look in the telescope. Go mm. away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I think so. Yeah, all of this limited resources. There's somebody who makes decisions about what happens in them. And, That's a fair and point, we yeah. often talk about freedom as if we have all the freedom to do. <sighs> but I you know, but I think that if you think about it, indeed, there's so much stuff that limits what you can actually do. Mm-hmm. Um, the amount of resources you have, which is right. determined by funding. Mm-hmm. And we accept this as well, which is, you know, we accept that funders are just the people who say, look, we're going to make money available for this topic and for this topic and for this topic. And if you don't work on that, too bad for you. No money for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Too bad. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad. Well, the alternative is to give everybody some money, right? I mean, uh, but yeah. That sounds like a, seems... like a waste a bit, no? I think I think so risky, yeah. you know, such a difficult sell, uh, sell. Because then you have to hope that there's some self-organization. And we just seem to be quite bad at this. Which is, for me, I think why a sort of democratic model. And I think Kitchener in his book says the same thing from all possible systems probably a sort of democratic way to make decisions is optimal because there is some organization there is some coordination Hmm. most people will be as happy as they're gonna get Mm -hmm. and that's probably an improvement over the current system where everybody can do whatever they want whatever the hell they want yeah i mean it's not good for the people per se because maybe people are perfectly happy doing whatever they want but it's best for the scientific knowledge we generate yeah I i find that kind of convincing yeah yeah. And, you know, I, I always think that like there's um, there's an Institute of Potato Research in India, <laughs> which I okay. have always found just like the most adorable thing ever. They're, they have these few centers. And the whole point of the Institute is to figure out, yeah, how do we generate, you know, make potatoes better? Like, you mm-hmm. know, be able to like, you know, increase potato production. I'm sure nobody wants to like who said I'm going to grow up to be a potato researcher. <laughs> 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 I, yeah, honestly, I, I hope these people are very happy, but I think nobody. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> nobody, right? Nobody. And But that's not the point, right? The point is this is an important thing. We need to feed a lot of people. We need yeah. to figure out, like, how do we yeah. – and I think, like, the Indian – you know, so they have, like, these few centers in different, like, locations that have, like, to do with the sort of climate of the area, and they're trying to do research to see how we can, like, increase potato production. Very yeah. practical, very important. You know, yeah. and it's like, yeah, let's let's try to solve some important issues, even though this is not flashy. This is not in any way going yeah. to give you a Nobel Prize, but it's important work that needs to be done. And I think that's kind of how we should maybe approach science, right? Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. 
I, I, I mean, it makes a lot of sense to me. And I was also, I'm thinking back about what this student said and how she responded to the fact that I said, no, we can just figure out whatever she wants to do, uh, whatever we want to do, sorry. Mm-hmm. And she was just so, yeah, surprised, like honestly yeah. surprised, like really? Mm-hmm. This is the way that we thought would be best? But no, I think if you would tell her like, well, well, uh, many people can think what they want to do, but there is also the Potato Institute. <laughs> and the Potato Institute <laughs> helps us to make the best potatoes. And then right. she would be like, yeah, I get it. I get why we have the Potato Institute. I don't get why you can do whatever you want. Right. And yeah, so if we have a lot of those things, I think that's what she would expect naively how it is. Like we have a lot of stuff that we think is important enough to study. And then we put people in those institutes and they study it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And we mentioned before, I think in the first episode on motivation, that it's probably good to give people a little bit of free time. You know, Mm. they get Mm -hmm. Fridays. Friday is fun, fun day. You can do whatever you want. Then you can work on zucchinis, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. You can, you can sneakily work on your zucchini and nobody can judge you for it. And who knows? Breakthrough zucchinis become the, you know, the, the product that feeds most people in the world. Right. (laughs) <laughs> Great. But yeah, something like this. It's still a heavy burden on uh, yeah, whoever comes up with the fact that we need a potato institute to be really right mm-hmm. about yeah. this. Like, you know, mm-hmm. we're making choices. We're le- not letting people do other things. They have to do this stuff. But if you do it reasonably and again through a sort of democratic process where people mm-hmm. have some voice and some input, you make sure everybody who, you know, you really need a democratic process, right? Yeah. It's very important to have every voice heard there. Right. The stuff that's studied really benefits mm-hmm. everybody in the world, mm-hmm. which is probably very difficult. Um, well, but you, if you're talking you about feeding in- people, nobody would say, oh, yeah, feeding people, ma- making sure there's no food for everybody. is it? But but I, th- but I realize that that's not an always an easy question to answer. Yeah. Yeah. And, and actually, I think probably in the West, they would prioritize this less than in India, right. maybe, yeah, you know? Yeah. So, so you can also think, okay, wait, where's the money? Mm-hmm. Uh, who are we helping? Who mm-hmm. are we doing research for? Because, you know, I mean, we have a lot of potatoes in the Netherlands. We <laughs> like have, our potatoes. You have enough, yeah. <laughs> no, no, but we like our potatoes. So yeah. I could say, you know, yeah, we actually also want the potato institute. We'll help you out, India, over there. Yeah. But, but for us, it's just about a crunchier potato. But for you, it's just about many potatoes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But so we can work we can work together, but we have some different interests. No, but that's also a question, right? So who, who who's at the table? Right. Uh, who 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 are we doing science for? Yeah. Um, because there there might be diseases in some countries that don't affect people in other countries, but those countries have more money. So you get into a bit of a difficult uh, yeah, decision no. of how we make the institutes. Yeah. That's a that's a great point, especially because I mean I know we mentioned last time deliberative um, mm-hmm. event, and so the last the, the course that I had mentioned that, that I knew about this from was like sense and sensibility in science. And Mm -hmm. we did this sort of mock deliberative polling event where we had a panel come in and talk about gene drives. And Mm -hmm. gene drives are these, um, um, and we talked about it in context of like mosquitoes, like, um, and malaria. Mm -hmm. So like, if you're in Africa and stuff, you're trying to get rid of malaria, what you could do is gene drives is where you edit some part of the gene of, Mm -hmm. you know, for example, mosquitoes, and that would sort of wipe them out, essentially, right? You're changing their genetics. So eventually you will kill them. I mean, and this is where the regulation, like the bioethics sort of comes in is like, well, that could have unintended consequences for the, you know, if you're doing it in Africa, like it might affect their, you know, natural environment, like the ecosystem in some way. So are those yeah. like, are the people there also involved in this kind of process of like, what do we do? How do we do it? Um, and yeah. regulating that research on, on above and beyond sort of the bioethics of it. So, yeah. 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 
And, and we're probably going to get it wrong for the first 50 years if we try right. moving towards this, right? Because yeah. we set up some system and it doesn't work completely. Yeah. But nevertheless, you know, this long process, just like the psychological science accelerator, there, you know, there'll be some hits, some misses. Right. And over time, we learn how to do this well. But I think it's worth exploring. I think it's worth uh, Unless figuring Unless we out. accidentally make like super mosquitoes that just take over the whole world and then, you know. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And also, and also, you have to work at the Potato Institute for the rest of your life. <laughs> you know, now that I've been in academia, that doesn't sound so bad. It will, <laughs> it will be nice to do something that actually feels like it will be useful. I, I you agree. Know? I, I love yeah. potatoes. I'm going to be, be okay. We're going to be colleagues. <laughs> colleagues at the potato. Switch, yeah. Completely switch our research. We're going to become potato researchers. Yeah. Yeah. And one nice. of the big ones is in my hometown. Well, not my hometown, but this, the city I was born in, Shimla, which is okay. where my mom's from. So... We can go live also in nice. You can go back to the local community and yeah, study and potatoes. Sounds like a great backup plan. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Nullius in Verba. Our theme song is Newton's Cradle by Grand Brothers. If you have any thoughts, feedback, or comments you'd like to share, you can reach us over email at nulliusinverbapod at gmail.com or our social media accounts at Mastodon or Twitter. In this episode, we discussed external regulation of science and how well-regulated science might work in practice. In the next episode, we'll talk about the different ways in which science can go wrong and the continuum of science from good science well done to fraudulent science. As a bonus episode, we'll release an audio of Richard Feynman's famous speech, Cargo Cult Science, which is the topic of our next episode. Cargo Cult Science was originally a commencement speech that Feynman delivered at Caltech in 1974, eventually becoming an essay in his book, Surely You're Joking, Mr. Feynman. In the speech, Feynman likens scientific practice in certain disciplines to what cargo cults in the Pacific Islands did after World War II. They made fake runways, illuminated those runways, set up wooden huts as control centers, manned by people with wooden headphones and bamboo antennas, all in hopes that planes would land and bring them supplies like they did during the war. In essence, Feynman was criticizing scientific practice that takes on the outward appearance of science, but is missing something crucial. What is that something crucial? You'll find out in two weeks. We hope you will join us.